0: Hey, it's Ryan Rossillo. I'm the host of the Ryan Rossillo podcast at The Ringer. We are a sports show, but we do it a little differently because we want to cut through all of the nonsense and try to figure out what's really happening and give you those bigger picture observations. Do a lot of NFL, a lot of NBA, and of course, college football. Also have a great guest lineup, a lot of athletes, front office guys. And even we do some actors and writers from famous TV shows and movies, plus our life advice segment at the end of every show. So make sure you follow The Ryan Rossillo Show on Spotify.
1: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app
2: hello and welcome to group chat i am justin barrier and joining me fresh off their first round interviews for the toronto raptors head coaching job rob mahoney big wise what's up fellas
0: Personally, I think I'm very qualified. I would like to show you guys my eight point plan to save the Toronto Raptors. How many points do you want to get into today?
3: Will JJ Redick be the first podcaster to head coach, head coaching job in the history of the NBA? Um, if so, I'm pretty excited. Well, not for if this. we have
0: anything to say about it, Waz. I, I think we can jump the
2: line.
3: <laughs> Let's do it.
2: <laughs> if you guys do get hired, can I get a spot in the staff? Like, can I at least be the raptor? like the, the plush one. <laughs> that, that's the job you want? I, I think it's the only job I'm qualified for is the, is the problem. Okay,
0: uh. That's fair enough. Look, I, I just want to see you dress for the job you want. So you better show up to next group chat, full inflatable Raptor garb, or else I'm walking. Those, these are my demands.
2: I think I've worn the same sweatshirt to every podcast we've recorded for the past five months, so <laughs> I, I don't know what that says. I guess my my role is to to do this, to talk to you guys on the Zoom after uh, mm. a night of some riveting NBA basketball like we had tonight on Wednesday. Uh, we'll get into the Heat and the Knicks game five, but first, Warriors Lakers. We're going back to Los Angeles. I'm not going to sing this time, Rob. But my, my first question to you after this 121 106. Uh, victory for the Warriors, uh, as a Corgi owner, do you now have oh, yeah. faith in the magical Corgi video <laughs> star, viral video star, who has predicted, I believe, every game of this series? How have I missed this? Where is this happening? Oh, on various social media platforms. This is our new bit. Is One of us is
0: not familiar with the meme of the day, and then we have to get caught up on what it is before we continue our, our lovely basketball chat.
3: I was, Why, you've I've, seen I've, this? I've I've only seen it because I did Light Years podcast with our guys Sam Sfondiari and Andy Lou. and so of course they queued it up, and literally the words mm. out of Sam's mouth because this is after three one. He said, "The corgi is our last hope." <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I believe the corgi predicted that the Warriors would come back from the yes, three one. they would deficit. be that
3: they would win in three one. Yeah, one hundred percent.
2: Whoa. Well, Rob, we have one of those victories in hand here. Uh, So what do you want to start from this one? Just uh, we can get into the AD uh, head injury as we're recording this. All we know right now is that he was uh reportedly out of the arena. We don't ac- actually know exactly what it is. I think it's being described as a head injury. So let's set that aside and maybe talk about the little bit later in, a, in the bigger picture for this one tonight, Rob. This just just classic Warriors championship medal showing up when they needed to.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And I think playing small in a way where... They actually serve those strengths. I don't know. Sometimes Golden State like throws a small lineup out there and they give up all the size, but they don't really get any of the benefit of being small. And in this game, we saw just revving up the pace, Mm -hmm. right? Moving all around the floor. A lot of constant movement in ways that jumbled up the Lakers matchups that forced AD when he was out there into a lot of pick and roll, forced him to defend a lot of action. It felt a little bit more complicated on the Lakers side to navigate all that. And I think a lot of credit goes to Draymond, honestly, who came into this game like he was shot out of a cannon and in some ways, like played with the precision of a player who was shot out of the cannon. Like he committed a lot of needless turnovers, but the energy and the scoring were so important. They outweighed any mistakes he could possibly make. Like this is the kind of like this is the kind of zip they have to play with to win. And if they don't have this, then they lose all the edge of you know throwing Gary Payton the second out there. Which Justin, we ha- we have to give your salute. You called as as a potential adjustment in this series, and it really has paid off for them. The
2: mitten yet again. Never doubt him. I believe I was pro mitten in the finals as well. I actually don't remember how mm. that one turned out, so I'll just assume it. was a win because the Warriors won. But never never doubt the mitten, yeah. my friends.
3: Yeah, he was he was incredible um as far as attacking the glass, you know, like you usually think of these small lineups as not being able to squeeze rebounds, but the way GP2 plays, like he's a plus rebounder. He's a plus plus rebounder at his position. Uh you you mentioned the pace. I thought that was deep like deeply important in the sense that If you're giving up size to these guys, you have to use your speed advantage, right? Um, And it wasn't just, you know, off of misses. I thought the way Wiggins would catch after, you know, setting a screen for Steph, like he was going rapid fire towards the basket. Same with Draymond. Like they did everything fast. They did everything with pace. They They set screens with pace. They rolled hard with pace. They, you know, attacked on misses with pace. Everything was done Fast and with force. And, yeah, I just think they came out like a team that season was on the line, right? <laughs> that if they lost, they would be going home. I don't know that the Lakers necessarily played that way as well, especially when you considered some of the defense um, away from the main action. Whenever, you know, uh, staff or anybody broke the the plane on the initial action, uh, guys like LeBron James were not exactly, you know, stalwart on the help side. But the Warriors played about... Um, as aggressively as everybody kind of thought they would down 3-1. I think, you know, if you read anything, you listen to anybody talk about how they anticipated game five going, it's like, no, they're going to play like a bat shot out of hell at home in front of that crowd um, with this level of championship pedigree and medal. Uh, so there's no surprises on the Warriors' side today. Justin,
0: can I ask you something, though? Mm. Why didn't they play game four this way? Like uh, the same blueprint was there. They threw the same starting lineup out there. And obviously it's been a a much discussed talking point that they just like stopped going at AD halfway through that game for, for really no reason. Like why, why wasn't this the Warriors team we've been seeing
2: for games now? Well, did they play that much differently from the previous game? I would argue. And I, I said this to Michael Pino because we did a podcast after that game four. And I was like, even in the loss, the Warriors felt like they had found something. To all your guys' point, it just felt like whatever is the Warriors' verve and like whatever they bring to the table, it all clicked in when Peyton got into that lineup. The ball was pinging, the pace was there. Steph looked indomitable as he typically does when he's playing in space. But it just, they went away from it, won. And the Lakers also got just 15 points out of nowhere from Lonnie Walker. And it seemed like in this game, Like for both sides, it got pretty muddled after halftime. I also wonder if Anthony Davis being involved in pretty much every action defensively and also offensively for the Lakers for an entire half, whenever he's on the floor, ultimately has diminishing effects there. Like there was a point in the first quarter where I was like, has AD been the primary defender on every single shot here? Because they're just like, they're bringing him out high and they're forcing him to do everything. And as you guys are mentioning like what else is there to to gum up the works behind him and like how much does that affect the one guy you're counting on for literally everything for the Lakers
0: well especially because the big adjustment midway through what was that game 4 they put AD on Wiggins and basically the Warriors stopped pulling AD into those pick and rolls in part because like Wiggins just was not prepared for those moments. He was kind of a non-threat for a lot of the series coming into this game. He was the guy on Golden State who really had a, a lot to prove in this particular game. And I thought he had his best game of the series by far. When we're talking about the Warriors playing small and playing fast, man, it sure is nice when the most athletic player in your lineup looks like the most athletic player in your lineup.
3: Yeah, and part of it too, Justin, honestly, I think if the Lakers, look, they don't have a ton of three and D-sized guys, right? Um, Theoretically, it's kind of LeBron and Rui Hachimura are the theoretical, and you could say Vando as well, who just can't hit a freaking three to save his life um, at this point, right? And so if Vando's not out there, they are pretty thin back there if Golden State is able to get all the way to the cup, right? If AD isn't in hot pursuit, like he was, like, say, I don't know, game one, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it makes it a lot easier to do. I just think if they find a way to play better defense behind the play, behind this simple pick and roll action, Golden State will be less likely to go to it as an action, and therefore AD will have less work to do, right? Um, his his guys have to step up and help him in that way. Um, you know, I, I know we're going to mention that Golden State couldn't hit a three, but you know what's better than threes? Uncontested layups. <laughs> like, this is just a better hey, outcome for you, you know? And they got a lot of just easy-ass layups um, in the first and second half. I thought the second half, the Lakers finally like, all right, they found a little something, but the Warriors – couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But yeah, the defense is where this stuff has to be has to happen for the Lakers. They're not the they're not the nuggets, right? They can't count on scoring 130, 125 every single game, damn near. They gotta stop these dudes and they have to give it, you know, uh, an actual concerted effort in doing so.
0: That's where Vanderbilt not being able to hit a shot, as you said, was really kills you. Because that's where this is starting to look like a warrior series, right? If we think about Golden State historically, what happens over the length of the series? The big guys get played off the floor. The non-shooters get played off the floor. They stretch you so thin in your rotation, you have to rely on whether it's defensive liabilities or guards you may not want to be playing. Those are the positions they put you in. And we're seeing AD be pushed to the limit in some ways in some of these games. And we're seeing Vanderbilt's minutes just drop and drop and drop. 11 minutes only in these last two games, each of them. Like they need him out there for defense. They need him out there not only for on ball, but for those rotations we're talking about. And the fact that you're replacing him with, I don't know, like a little bit of Lonnie Walker here, a little Rui Hachimura there. There's a clear defensive drop off to that.
2: Yeah. And on the other side, Looney is getting to the point. I know he's like been battling uh, an illness here, but he's getting to the point where he's on the floor and the Lakers are just looking at their, licking their chomps. You know what I mean? So, uh, I think this is where we should probably pause for a moment and just praise what Draymond Green did tonight. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Uh, He didn't score 20 points the entire regular season. This is his second time he's done so in the playoffs. The first time, game 5, coming off the bench against Sacramento. Just like his ability one to do everything you need from a big at his size, doing it against probably the most dominant big still left in the playoffs here. And Anthony Davis Uh, and also to all of a sudden look free and like just romping through the defense and previous game looked like magic Johnson when he like went behind his back and uh, had the scoop layup going like what an absolute terror he's been was and just like someone that you, like, this is just found money from the warriors. It just kind of reemphasizes this idea. Like when there's space, when the ball is moving, these guys just come to life.
3: Yeah. And we mentioned the sort of the force with which golden state played, like it's exemplified. just watch Draymond, just watch what he's doing. The aggression um, with which he's guarding a D, not scared of fouling the dude dare. I mean, He's a really handsy defender. He's basically daring the refs. It's almost like the Patriots of the early 2000s or Legion of Boom. Um, um, Seattle Seahawks where it's just like you commit pass interference on every single play and dare the reps to call it. And, <laughs> right. and Draymond is like, look, our season is on the line. I'm going to dare these guys to put me out of this pivotal game um, with ticky tack or touch fouls. And he he just did it, man. Uh, and the, the fact that he made a couple of jump shots in this game, he made an early three. He made a, a back-breaking long two at the end of, of a possession um, in the second Second half is just Draymond, and last week I was on Bill's show, and he's like, "Yo, like, can they just let Draymond Green go, or like, or do they justify paying this guy thirty-five million something dollars a a year when it's like he is clearly the second best guy on the team? The only reason they haven't been swept or completely crushed in this series is the work that he's doing on offense and defense.
2: Is number one on that list Gary Payton, the second?
3: <laughs> I'm sure his dad thinks so. Um yeah, right. but yeah, no, like uh, to watch Draymond do what he's doing and to to think that there's, you know, this this concept that you would be kowtowing to the likes of Jordan Poole and James Wiseman because you got some allegedly bright future, and watch what this guy does against the best players in the NBA, LeBron and AD guarding them interchangeably like it's nothing and being the emotional fulcrum? Like, come on now. It's absurd. It's all, it's it's almost to the point where you understand why you might want to punch a guy in the face.
0: <laughs> well, those conversations have started up, though, with the Warriors, obviously, on the brink of elimination. You know, they stave it off tonight. But if they do lose this series, there's going to be a lot of hard questions about the core of this team and how much it costs. There's going to be a lot of hard looks at Draymond in particular and whether he's a part of the future of it. Not only... You know, to your point was, like what he's doing against LeBron and AD, what he's doing defensively, it's like, I don't know how you replace what he does on either side of the ball for them. Mm -hmm. He's so critical that whatever the future of the Warriors is beyond Draymond, it will have to be a complete reimagining of the blueprint. Even if, like, obviously, Steph is, we're going to assume, is still there, whatever that looks like. But he's so critical to them. Like, he's so critical to the way they operate. And yes, not only is he the second best player on the team, but he's, uh, you know, he's given a lot of cover to clay Thompson right now, mm. who is not playing particularly good basketball, not making a lot of shots, continues to get frustrated to all hell by Austin Reeves at every Austin opportunity. Holds him.
2: <laughs> he he it's cannot not great. guard Austin it, Reeves. It's absurd. I was, I was telling these guys before we came on here that I, I know clay likes to flash the four to pretty much everyone who has anything to say about him at this point. I think that means four field goals out of like 20 attempts. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it's to the point where whenever he puts the ball on the floor, you just know it's an automatic win for the defense on whatever he's trying to do. He had one nice drive where he drew a def- an extra defender, dropped it off to Looney for a layup. I was like, oh, look at Clay playmaking. But that, that is, you know, the exception that sort of proves the norm. Anytime he puts the ball on the floor against anybody. There's no Laker defender that is, like, afraid to get in Klay Thompson's shirt um, when he's trying to put the ball on the floor. So, yeah, Clay, if he's not just already just perfectly square to the basket when he makes a catch, it's just not looking good for him this series.
2: Yeah, I'm with you guys too on Draymond's importance. Like, it feels like this entire playoffs has been framed with the Warriors as a referendum on uh, on Draymond and like where he fits in the dynasty and will they get rid of him and will that trigger like the end of the dynasty? I've been watching these games. I'm like, if they don't have Draymond, they are in most of these games. (laughs) No, it's like as good as is Looney is, as much as he looks like Wilt Chamberlain with the rebounding stats like Draymond Keys, virtually everything they're doing out there, man. So I would he's the last of of some of these guys that I would want to get rid of in order to to clean things up. I I will say in the Draymond V pool square off, we almost got a good pool game. You know, he had some credible minutes where he at least made some shots, but uh, Five for 14, one from six.
3: Guys, the shots that he made Damn. were spot up wide open shots. And and good. A guy making 30 million a year, who does absolutely nothing, who does absolutely nothing else for your team, should be able to make wide open shots created by your Lord and Savior Steph Curry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it
2: came, this is not he almost
3: sh- a good pool game.
2: <laughs> it was as close as we've gotten in a very long time.
3: Fair.
0: Unfortunately, true. I mean, he came out shooting not only like wide open shots, but they were very like perfect form, good student shots. Yes. I kind of thought he was like trying to make a point at a, at a certain level. <laughs> like I'm, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be he the good the soldier elbow, for five minutes. But soon enough, yes, yeah, it uh, it didn't, it didn't last long enough, unfortunately. Uh.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Steph is just driving so much of the action. You could tell, like, it's going to wear on him at some point. It hasn't to the point where it's derailed him, but his shot hasn't looked good for two games now. You wonder maybe if there's a trickle down effect there. But if Poole was able to just take some of these possessions off of his back, man, like the the Warriors could have been up in this series, not trying to climb back in. Um, but we should talk about the Lakers here and maybe their response. Uh, we mentioned AD. Uh, I still haven't seen anything as we're recording that gives us any clarity on that. Well, we'll if anything comes through while we're recording this, we'll, we'll update. But um, I think the, I give him credit because he tried to go micro ball at the end there, at least to try something different uh, with LeBron at the five surrounded by f- like four of the smaller, quicker guards that they have. Uh, it, it didn't go well. In fact, when as soon as Looney got checked out of the game, Steph hit like a fall away three from the corner where he basically like fell into uh the crowd there. So it was a good idea, but I don't think that's the answer if a d can go Rob so like what are we what are we looking for here? Are there any obvious like pivots the Lakers still have
0: left here? Yeah, I mean, the a d thing is such a question mark in this. Cause when he's out there, he's gonna be central to the action for all the reasons we've described. If he does have some kind of concussion, even if he is able to play, that's something where like high intensity, high reps, you know, you can start to lose focus, you can start to lose your vision, you might have to sit out part of the game. We'll just have to see like what he's even up for. But if he's not playing, I mean their big rotation is just not built for this, right? Like this is not, you know, a a throwing Gabriel Gabriel's out there for major minutes. No, in I game don't six to
3: close out I the do not. Wow. The lack of faith is stunning.
0: I do not. I do not think Mo Bamba is ready to roll (laughs) out there at this particular juncture.
3: Yeah, Tristan is getting
1: the active uh, spot
0: there. In
3: 2016, Tristan, what he did on the offensive boards was crazy, but he is not that type of dude anymore at all.
0: He's not that type of dude anymore. I think fundamentally the important thing is the Warriors were good enough offensively that the Lakers had to start switching, right? Like they were just, we're just going to throw out a different scheme to try to make, to try to contain this. And if Golden State is clicking at that level, AD or not, that's going to be, that's going to be tough for the Lakers to match. They're going to need some Lonnie Walker level heroics in some of these games.
3: Yeah, I think when you got guys like Draymond in the game at the same time as Gary Payton, they might want to look into doing some of the pre-switch stuff that you would see um the Warriors do quite frankly for Steph. Um back when Andre was out yep. there, where oh they're calling Steph up to Steph's guy to come up and set the screen. We're gonna pre-switch that. They can do some of that for A D. Um you know, uh, uh, and, and just straight up switch with the little guy on Steph, just so you can keep AD closer to the basket and have your your point of attack defenders force him to the paint, force him to the middle, and be like, look, man, if GP2 is going to smash me from, from outside, then go ahead. But, like, they got to be smarter about varying the coverages and just giving them something different to look at. I think the switching, I think is a good thing to go to. I just don't think they should be doing it all game long, right? Um, I think if the nature of their personnel was a little different, I'd be all for it. But with the guys that they have, I think they should be trying to get a little bit more creative um, about keeping AD out of that action.
2: Yeah, and a lot of that is go- that sort of choreography is going to take – time with a lot of the players. And as we know, this team shuffled up the deck pretty significantly at the trade deadline and they're moving guys in and out of the roster um, or in and out of the lineup during these playoffs. We should mention Chris Haynes reported as we're doing this, that the early diagnosis indicates that Davis didn't uh suffer a concussion. I will say like, as soon as you admit he had a concussion, you have to put yeah. him into concussion nah, protocols. So yeah. I, this is where things get incredibly dicey and can't do it. Yeah. So it seems like AD could be back. Let's assume Rob that AD is back. Um, would you do anything yeah. to the starting lineup based on what we're saying? Like, do you pull Vando because he seems to be such a non-factor against the Warriors' small ball? Do you move Lonnie Walker? I don't know. For instance, in the starter Schroeder into the starting lineup. So you're starting from the jump with a little bit more speed and, and quickness to to match some of the transition buckets the Warriors are getting.
0: Yeah, I honestly wouldn't mind Schroeder with that group. And I think you'd probably have to kind of stagger some of your guards out pretty quickly just so you have someone to to spell, you know, D'Angelo when he comes out or Reeves when he comes out or LeBron when he comes out. But I've liked the way Schroeder's defended in this series. I like what he's given them as far as like matching that kind of athleticism and pace. And most importantly, I think you need to come to those decisions and those determinations pretty quickly the Lakers not only have all the new personnel you talked about, Justin, but they just like did not switch very often at all during the season. This is not something they really have done or do or do very often. So, if this is kind of what you want to throw into the mix, at least sporadically in the next game, like you got to get on the practice court and at least walk through some of this stuff so you know what your principles are beyond just like, okay, we're switching in these situations. You need to feel it. And if you're going to have a different lineup with a new defense in the middle of a series against the defending champions, that's that's a lot for a team to digest. Like that's a lot to metabolize in a competitive situation.
3: Yeah, to me I'd actually want to see Rui out there um, instead of Vando cuz he's demonstrated an ability and a and a willingness to fire as soon as he catches the ball and he's open from 3 yep. and I think he is you know, size-wise and athleticism-wise, he's more closely aligned to what they're trying to do with that lineup, right, which is our physical Golden State. And when guys like Steph or um, Jordan Poole or even a GP2 who is strong and athletic but is way smaller than Rui, he's shown a willingness to take those guys to the cup and try to draw some contact, right? So for me, I'd probably rather see Rui out there as to not disrupt the natural rotational patterns. And, you know, as Rob mentioned shooter Schroeder's been so um, key to, you know, coming in and having fresh legs to run around with Steph and also just taking over the ball handling duties um, when D'Lo or, or Austin Reeves isn't doing it.
2: I'm glad you mentioned contact because in this one, the Lakers ended up with their fewest free throw attempts of this entire series. And it's not because 15. they weren't
3: getting hit. <laughs> That's another and, thing. <laughs> but
2: they had 52 points in the paint. So as much as we talked up the warriors ability to get the cup with everything spread out, they actually scored two more points in the paint than the warriors 52 to 50. So it's not like they weren't at the basket. It's not like they were trying to cram it down the warriors throat. And yet 15 free throws, which is also the same amount the warriors got. And, as much as like, there was a lot of consternation made about this going into this game, at the very least, you have to wonder, Rob, if like the the refs were more aware of this because of what Steve Kerr was saying. Mm, you, you think he actually moved the needle on that? Might have. We need to get the New York Times uh, predictive meter out here, but, but I think we got a little bit of activity.
3: Don't give the people flashbacks
2: to 2016, I mean, I would... Justin. Come
0: on. Uh, yeah, we don't need that. Well, t-
2: uh, tonight felt like it, but yeah, that's another story.
0: Oh boy, if it is, if it is true, I feel like that might be kind of a first. I feel like usually those coach ploys don't really go as planned, uh, but you never know. Like maybe, maybe it is enough to to win over some hearts and minds in a game like this. The proof is what it is. Like I think the Lakers definitely deserve to get more free throws than they ended up with you know maybe that's just a little home cooking by the warriors too like in their own building yeah. they they got a favorable whistle that could be That's a-
3: what that's to me it's more more than Steve Kerr bringing it up in the press i think it's just that home cooking like it's it's like one the crowd and two it's been the talking point of so many fans and fan adjacent media that of course the crowd is reacting to any and all Laker fouls. Like, the refs are human beings. I understand that they might be affected by the atmosphere, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers um got some more favorable calls at home on actual contact. Like, this isn't a some contactless series. When AD and LeBron go down there, you have to put some kind of contact on them if you're gonna stop them from scoring. That's just the nature of what it is. It's not like they have Embiid down there who's actually bigger than these guys and can cleanly block it. You know, um, even, you know, Looney, who does a decent job of rim protection. Obviously, we know Draymond. These guys aren't trees, you know. Um, so uh, that that's something to definitely keep an eye on.
0: Well, was you mentioned Embiid? I feel like we we do need to do some real time fact checking on Justin, who said AD might be the most dominant big left in the playoffs—a playoffs yeah, A playoff that still has Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, uh, at least at least worth noting.
2: I I mean, well, for one, Embiid probably doesn't play as often for me to like remember that he was still wow. out there and wow,
3: shots
0: Jokic
2: fired. just. I thought Jokic was a point guard. I thought this was positionalist basketball. Uh, Rob, <laughs> okay, okay. Didn't I read a this Rob is Mahoney is a, blog next... about that ten years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to clean up from this one? I feel like we hit most of the the major I talking think, points. I think
1: we got it. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation
2: Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to visible at visible.com and use promo code Ringer20 for data management practices in additional terms visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Okay, let's uh let's move along to the second game of the evening. Knicks 112, Heat 103, uh was the Knicks stay alive. It might have cost Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes some Uh, cartilage maybe in their knee because they played all 48 minutes in this game. We call that a tip special, but they're, they're still ticking, man. They're still going. And so uh, do you have any hope that the Knickerbockers can get back into this one?
3: It's tough. Um, Like some of the stuff that they did even in this game during the comeback where it's like Duncan Robinson's only out there to do one thing and one thing only, and the Knicks were somehow forgetting about that at times. I didn't think they they put Duncan Robinson enough actions on the other end um, in order to attack him and sort of play him off the, the ball. Some of that was, you know, got on my nerves, honestly, where I'm just like, why do why are y'all forcing me to keep paying attention to this? You know, like, I thought this game was over already, Um, so... That was just my own personal bias as somebody who was trying to make dinner and watch the Knick game at the same time. <laughs> but, but I will say this, man: um, the freaking guts and the balls on this Jalen Brunson kid are just incredible. And I, I promise you, if you took a poll of ninety percent of Nick fans right now, this is just an informal, just guess out there, guys. Jalen Brunson is on the Knicks, Mount Rushmore, already, right now. Just like the, the... The fact that this man would go out and play 48 minutes and play the way that he played, make the timely shots that he made, just doing it all on his own. He's not being set up by anybody. He's not playing off of, you know, some gravitational pull of these other great players on his team. He's doing this shit by himself. And he's doing it against one of the best defensive teams left in the playoffs against Spolstra, a mastermind of defense, and just getting it done. Like, this guy is—I can't say enough about Jalen Brunson and the job this guy does, man. Yeah, there were two
0: All-NBA players in this game and an All-Defense center, and Jalen Brunson was, like, by far the best player on the floor to the point where it wasn't even close. And, yeah, 38 points on 22 shots, great. Seven assists, nine rebounds, awesome. Even more impressive to me, 48 minutes, as we've said, one turnover, the entire game, ball in his hands, creating so much off the dribble in crowds. One turnover is wild. And you know that Jalen Brunson is awesome because, look, he's been doing it all season. He's been great all year long. Everyone has seen it at this point. Everyone has played against him. And man, he is still selling dudes with that pump fake. Like, how how do people not know better than when he gets in the lane, that you can't jump at that. And yet, if you don't jump at it, I guess he's just going
2: to hit every damn floater he throws up. Yeah, the Knicks really shot out of a cannon in that second quarter where it was Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Toppin, Hartenstein. And it just seemed like they were running for the very first time. Like, let's stop and, and just point out the Knicks actually won the fast break points in this game, 16 to nine, then 16 fast break points. The New York Knickerbockers who play in the mud pretty much all the time. It just seems like there was just something to that. We might want to, Discuss the fact that Julius Randle was not in that said lineup. But part of it I also think was just Toppen just like zooming down the core and being unable to run with these guys. It just felt like there was a little extra kick to that lineup and to that team when they needed it most. And and you have to credit Brunson probably first and foremost for that.
0: All right. I, I cannot believe that my role on this podcast has become to be a, a Julius Randle defender. <laughs> Interesting. But he was good in this game. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was good. I I think okay two very important things in this game one the Knicks got to the free throw line a shit ton Mm -hmm. and a lot of that was Julius Randle was a really good drive and kick engine for their offense got to the free throw line a lot himself made a lot of smart passes also like kicked out for a lot of threes to the point that the Knicks matched the heat three for three even with Duncan Robinson going off I thought those things were really important and like a lot of that stuff points back to Julius Randle and the way he creates I thought he was plenty good enough, to be honest with you. And re- like, really, I think the triumph of this game for the Knicks—the reason they're still alive—is they look like the Knicks. Like, they did have the fast break points, but they also like ruled the offensive yep, glass again. Like, Mitchell Robinson mean. had that kind of impact again. Like, they—they kind of looked. It, it looked at least like a familiar blueprint. I want
3: to—I want to give credit to to both Rob and Justin here. Wow, I'm not the biggest. Y'all know I'm not the biggest. Julius Randle guy, I don't think the answer is scaling Obi Toppin's minutes up. That's not going to work, right? Like that's not going to be how they win this series. And obviously we know it's not gonna be some, yeah, let's play Hartenstein and um Mitchell Robinson. Like like he he can't be oh, no. his minutes can't be replaced at the four. Um, both offensively and defensively, quite frankly, because again, I say this all the time. Much as I love I love OB Toppin. I'm I'm one of his biggest fans out here. He ain't there on defense yet. Um, Julius Randle is an upgrade on defense to that guy. And so his minutes are important, his his sort of innings eating um is important, especially on, on offense, where again, Jalen is asked to do so much of this. On his own, and so I think he gave it a good effort, and the Knicks not completely folding. When I was just like, "Oh my God, are they mixing again?" Um, when Miami starts making that furious comeback, um, yeah, it, it, it was yeah. nice to see.
2: I I think that's probably the key point here. I definitely feel like the the Brunson Grimes part of that second unit probably was the bigger factor than the Toppin hartenstein uh, And the fact that they were probably playing against the Heat second unit. I just thought like they moved in a way that they hadn't before. And it was something that they needed at a point in the game where the game was still hanging in the balance. And it probably was among the more decisive things. I also think part of this is the fact that the Heat missed a ton of wide-ass open three-point shots. 13 for 43 here. And like, as Waz was outlining there, I think this could have been yet another grinded-out, come-from-behind Heat win. But a lot of those shots weren't falling. And I think one of the big things that the Knicks did in this game, and they did to a certain degree the previous game, is Butler has virtually become a distributor. Now, how healthy is he who knows He's moving around like thirty eight year old LeBron sometimes. But his like effect on the game has largely become just kicking it out to the shooters if they're not going to make those shots and like that's kind of the ball game. you know,
0: I honestly thought that was part of the reason Duncan Robinson popped off. I thought like halfway through this game, the Knicks were just so used to the heat missing every open <laughs> three they took. They just kind of stopped paying attention to whoever was on the weak side. yeah. and, you know, Robinson had his best game of the series because of that. but, Yeah, like not to oversimplify it. If the Heat make the number of shots they're supposed to make or even slightly less than that, they probably win this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love 0 for 7. Which probably played a big part in the Duncan Robinson minutes, but like we've seen this over and over again with Miami, it's like they're going to work the math to their advantage by stuffing the lineups with three point shooters, and then having Jimmy be great. And if Jimmy's not going to be great, that's probably if you want to find a silver lining for the Knicks going forward, a pathway maybe sort of if you squint hard enough. Like that's it. It's like Jimmy's hobbled, and we're going to make them work for everything else. Like we'll give up all this uh, the 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 shots and they're gonna have to beat us. Duncan Robinson, who wasn't playing most of the season, that guy's gonna beat us. It's not gonna be Jimmy.
3: Yeah, and I think the Knicks have to find a way because on a lot of these things, it's like the Heat of running their high screen double pick and roll at the top, the same exact play over and over, and producing wide open threes every single time. I think the Knicks need to find a way to gum up the works on the freaking Heat's initial action. Like, you you have to make them counter you, please. For the love of God, make them come up with counters um, and different ways of generating offense, right? And so I think in in this day off, they need to devise something that sort of takes Miami out of that. Because they were just walking into great looks in the second half, right, specifically. And so I think that's something to definitely look for. But yeah, Brunson played 48 minutes. He's going to have to play another 48. Because guess what? It's still do or die. It's and and yeah. and guess and guess what we know. He's gonna Tibbs, die. Tibbs yeah. won't be a He to might kill him. die. He will not shy away from that. I mean,
0: I mean, Tibbs tried to kill Quentin Grimes in this oh game. Oh my god! Really? Like two while guys. while we're devising things in practice, can we devise a way to get him two minutes of Dude. rest after a major, like Dude. what seemed to be a pretty major leg Dude, injury? He right. looked
3: like he hyperextended his joint. Started limping. <laughs> like (laughs) came up with the came up with this gutsy ass steal i'm like yo this guy is the steal, laying it on the line still does not come out incredible
2: (laughs) and it's not like he didn't have an adequate replacement available like josh hart has been good at times in the series in these playoffs he played nine minutes it's just like Tim's Tim's is going down with the ship (laughs) In fairness
0: I mean, on that, Josh nice. Hart couldn't be on the floor for like two minutes in this game without fouling three people. It was Man, it was kind sure. of a disaster whenever he was out there.
2: And just like shying away from wide open shots. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think we're all in agreement here. I think it seems think like Miami it's going to be gonna a, a tough sledding. In Miami.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, for one, in addition to everything we've talked about, I mean, you have Randall who got hit in the face during this game, had a swollen eye. Grimes is on one good leg and a bad shoulder. Quickly is already out with a leg injury. Mitchell Robinson was limping in this game too. Brunson is exhausted playing 48 minutes. How how much do they really have of this at this point? You know, like the, you're just asking a lot of these guys to grind out games, especially after you know, like they started this game with a 14 point first quarter and then had to have like a furious effort the rest of the way to win. That's just that's exhausting for a team like this.
2: For Tibbs, instead of maybe like playing your two wings who could actually hit a three pointer. Every single minute, why not try it? Like just a couple minutes without a center. Like, is he the only coach that hasn't even flirted with the idea of small ball
3: in the season? He played de-
2: some of Toppin yeah, and Randall
3: together uh, a couple games ago. Yeah.
0: A little, just like little he, flashes in desperate situations, but probably not enough. Honestly, just, you
3: know how Tibbs is, man. You 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 blow an offensive rebound. You, you 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 let somebody just just score on you in the paint with little resistance. He's like, yo, put my bigs back in. Thank you. He loves a <laughs> big, like,
2: man. Oh my goodness. Randall and Toppin aren't small guys either. Like if you're going small versus small, like they're possibly going to win the rebounding advantage there, and it's just like. Just a little bit of flavor, you know. You don't have to just like ruin Quentin Grimes' career for this. Just not, I don't know, man. <laughs> my f- my
0: favorite subplot of this series is reporters have started asking Tibbs, like, "Are you going to play Derek Rose and Evan Fournier?" <laughs> to the point that there had to be an update today that Evan Fournier was out with illness. Mm. I I don't think I don't think that's the answer, One thing guys. I will I really say don't. that
3: I'm proud of Tibbs for, um, since Tibbs has started coaching. I believe there have been three instances where a team with home court lost. No, there have been six instances where a team with home court lost in game five. Um, Tibbs has three of them on his own. The rest of the NBA has three. Um, So he avoided the four (laughs) today. And um, shouts to him for that, man.
2: (laughs) Congrats to Tom. This is a big one for you. You might, you might've killed Jalen Brunson in the process, but you avoided losing four one to the Miami heat. Yeah. At what cost, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it there. Rob, are you going to still be in Phoenix the next time we record a podcast? <laughs> Rob, by the way, for I think the, I for live here. I think I live here now. Yeah. He, he's, he got to Phoenix for the Nugs Phoenix series. win earlier this week, it seems like
0: years ago at this point. I think it was literally last week. I think I got here like a week ago.
2: Okay. And he stayed there during the last game. And potentially if the series goes on, I assume he's going to stay there. So if you're in the Phoenix area, if you're going to the next game, bring water for our guy here, just to make sure that he's staying uh, hydrated and well-nourished, bring a cliff bar potentially. Uh, And then we'll eventually spring him for the next podcast or somewhere down the line.
0: I'll even take like one of those like heat resistant ponchos. Like I'm out here in the desert. I'm I'm literally withering away. Please save me.
2: <laughs> well, maybe it'll help with your with your moisturizing in your skin. Um, it's always nice for being in the desert heat. Um, all right. On that note, on the note of moisturizing, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it. Uh, thank you to Isaiah Blakely on production. Thank you to Ben Cruz. Uh, we'll see you next time.